0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 20th episode of the Late Night Watch Talk Podcast. Tonight will be an interesting episode. It could actually go by three different names, the story of the Stova, or from Everest to Everest, or a tale of three watches. So let's dive right in. First off, what is on my wrist? I actually can't tell you yet because it's part of the story. So once we get to that, I'll do a description of it. And talk in more detail about it. So, I finally did it. I was a bit reluctant to, but I finally sold the Stova. Yeah, I'd been pondering it for a little bit, but I just couldn't bring myself to sell that watch. It's so brilliant. And yet, for whatever reason, I just never wore it. Even when it was pretty new, I didn't wear it a whole lot. And there, toward the end... There were times when I would force myself to put it on, and without fail, within an hour I was just wanting to wear a different watch. I tried it on all kinds of different straps, thinking that was the problem. I put it on a NATO strap to kind of casual it up a little bit, and that didn't really that really didn't help. So finally I pulled the trigger, I listed it on eBay. And the cool thing is, uh, it was up there for a little while, and I had to bring the price down some, but I did find a buyer, and what's great is she was buying the watch for her boyfriend. I'm assuming she's pretty young, but she's buying the watch for her boyfriend for his birthday, so I told her I would be getting it in the mail right away, that way we could get there on time. And we had some conversation back and forth because she was asking me all kinds of questions. The condition of the watch, why I was selling it, um, just double-checking that it was a good watch to get him. And so yeah, I responded, sent her a picture of it on a time grapher because I couldn't alter the listing since people were watching it. Told her just a little bit about Stova and also mentioned that if he wanted to see the watch in videos, he could do that, because I had actually done a review of the watch and some other videos of it. So I let her know how to find those, and uh, yeah, got the watch sent off. That actually happened right uh, before I went to Vegas for a few days. But what's interesting is the impetus that finally caused me to pull the trigger on the Stova is I was feeling a little bit broke. And that's where we're going to have to kind of backtrack all the way to the beginning of this story because it involves a watch that's completely different than the Stova. A while ago, I had purchased a Smith's Everest and I got it used on eBay. This particular watch had the original clasp on it the one that doesn't have the release buttons on the sides and when it arrived the clasp was kind of loose so just sitting down on the couch if it causes your wrist to move a little bit too far it would pop open and at one point I sent it off to a watchmaker and actually had that clasp tightened and that helped it performed pretty well although It still popped open a couple of times on me, and when that happens, you just don't trust the watch anymore. Even though it's highly unlikely it's going to pop open, the, the trust is broken on that. So I was always keeping my eyes open for different clasps and bracelets. I've talked about that on this podcast in the past, and I was always on the lookout for other Explore homages, just to see what was out there. Maybe there was something that would replace the Smiths. And so I tried the Ticel, uh, which is an homage to a more modern day Explorer. It has the applied indices with the silver metal frame, and of course this one it's not white gold like uh, the Explorer would be. The only weird thing about this watch is the markers are very large, so it's kind of like they took the large size Explorer and put it in a 36 millimeter. They look really odd. Other than that, it's an absolutely amazing watch. It has the tool-less micro adjustment on it, the uh, glide lock system, Which is absolutely brilliant. As seasons change and whatnot, you can adjust the bracelet tighter or looser. Because of that, it would be a great vacation watch. Because oftentimes you're going to warmer places. And instead of having to pack a tool with you for in case you need to loosen up the bracelet some, you're all good. You just take the watch itself. When you've arrived out in the desert, you can loosen it up some. So that watch is amazing. I also got a San Martin Explorer 1016 homage because that's my favorite iteration of the Explorer, which is why I love the Everest so much. And this watch is also pretty amazing. It has a flat crystal. It ha- I bought the one that has a sterile dial, so there's absolutely no branding on it whatsoever, which I personally like. It wears larger than the Smiths, and I think it's actually one millimeter larger, so it's not the 36 millimeters that Explorers and whatnot are, it's actually 37. On their website, they list it as 36 because that's where the bezel begins. It's inset just a touch, but that watch is pretty cool too, and it has a clasp with release buttons on the sides, so it's nice and secure. But those weren't Everest replacements, so I was still keeping my eyes open for other Explorer homages, and at one point I found myself on a forum thread, and I was just kind of scrolling through, and I saw mostly Explorer homages that I've seen before. I was reminded of some that I hadn't seen in a while. Some that I rejected just because the crystal was acrylic, and at the time that I was originally looking for these, I just wanted sapphire. So, at this point, those were kind of an option, Uh, but I kept scrolling, and I noticed a dive watch in the thread, which was pretty interesting. And so, that stopped me scrolling right away, and I looked at it, and it was an armida. And so I was immediately nostalgic because way back when I first started collecting watches, I actually owned an Armida. It was a 40 millimeter mil sub style dive watch. It did have a date window on it. And the one that I owned had 200 meters of water resistance, which ridiculously is why I got rid of the watch, because for some reason I thought that I needed more than 200 meters of water resistance I think at that point in time I was just thinking the more the merrier so the more water resistance it had the safer it was completely not understanding the whole concept of water resistance right so I ended up selling that watch even though I loved it it was an absolutely brilliant watch super solid it looked great and so when I saw this Armida, I was totally nostalgic and a little bit confused why it was posted on this thread. Now, the person who posted a picture of it also put its specifications in there, and one specification in particular blew me away because I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in a previous podcast, I've been kind of keeping my eyes open for smaller dive watches because you don't you never see that. The smallest you get is 38 millimeters, and I love vintage watches and smaller watches, and it would be so weird to see a dive watch that's breaking the rules. And this watch is only 36 millimeters in size. It's a mil sub watch with no date, with 300 meters of water resistance and it's 36 millimeters. So instead of purchasing a vintage dive watch that's 36 millimeters and not ever being able to use it as an actual dive watch or use it in the water snorkeling or whatever you're going to do, it would just be a a dive style watch, because you can't trust the water resistance on a vintage piece like that, but here staring me in the face was a contemporary dive watch at 36 millimeters and 300 meters of water resistance. I absolutely had to get one. So after I saw that, I had to wait about a week or so before I had some more funds come in, and I bought it. However, after I purchased it, my account had been pretty well rated and that coupled with just looking at the watch box and realizing how sad it is that i just never ever wear the stova. that kind of pushed me over the line and feeling broke and realizing i just don't wear it it was time to let it go And so, like I mentioned, it sold right before a Vegas trip, which was great. I was able to take the Armida with me, and it got some poolside time. And uh, it's so great having a mil sub back in the collection. I haven't had a mil sub in years now. I really only owned those early on in my collecting when my entire watch collection was Dive Style and Dive Watches, period. Way before I was smitten by dress watches. So, shortly after the Las Vegas trip, I got back and the funds from the Stova arrived. And my plan for that money was to keep it in the account and just kind of actually save up maybe for some uh, tools and whatnot. I do really want to collect enough tools to try my hand at doing some uh, very basic servicing type stuff. Uh, For example, I have a, a watch from India that was absolutely dirt cheap supposedly the movement was serviced and there is a service mark on the inside of the case back but it's running absolutely terribly i tried regulating it just by adjusting the regulation lever on it but now the balance wheel just stops and i thought that originally it was because i had adjusted it too far out i saw a video where someone was doing some watchmaking And they noticed that same scenario in a watch that they were working on. And they were talking about how it couldn't possibly run with that adjusted that hard. And so I opened the watch back up and kind of set it back to what it was when I received it. And that seemed to do the trick, except that a couple hours later when I glanced at the shelf it was stopped again, and I'm pretty sure it was at a full wind before all of that happened, but this would be a good watch to start kind of playing around with, you know, maybe carefully taking the balance wheel off and then putting it back. Maybe it's not seated correctly, or I could take a look at how its uh, posts look, but I really would like to get a microscope and work that way as opposed to kind of being hunched over the watch I would like to be able to sit upright and get a really nice zoom in on it and so that was my plan was to save for something like that but whenever I have a decent amount of money in the account I do peruse eBay like I've mentioned probably numerous times before that's kind of my social media instead of scrolling through whatever Platform, I'm on eBay looking to see what's out there. And so I was going through all of my many, many saved lists. And one of those is, you know, keeping my eyes open for an Everest bracelet. And what was interesting was in some of those results, I was getting a bunch of the guilt dial variant of the Everest. And that's a variant that I hadn't really considered ever. I I don't know exactly why, it just didn't really appeal to me to have gold highlights, so the hands are gold, the markers are gold. Um, yeah, it just hadn't even crossed my mind to pick one of those up. But now that I was seeing a bunch coming through on eBay, and for... Secondhand market on these watches, some of the prices were decent, they were under a thousand dollars at least. It's it's crazy how expensive Smith's watches are on the secondhand market because they're so difficult to get, and it's because of that difficulty that I usually end up paying a premium to get those watches. I've done it twice. I've bought the PRS 29A and the Everest so. Yeah, I was kind of looking through those, and I saved a couple of them to my favorites, so that I can mull it over. And then I moved on and was looking at some other watches. However, throughout the next couple days, I kept going back to those saved Everest and pondering, do I just get an entirely new Everest and sell mine, and because it has that original clasp, sell it a bit cheaper, or on the very low end of what they usually go for, just because of guilt of it having a clasp that I personally don't even like, so that's what was kind of going through my mind, and I was looking at the saved ones that I had, and realized that one of them is actually brand new, and It was priced like the used ones were. So that got me really thinking because I've never owned a brand new Smiths watch. Oh, and by the way, I realized that I completely spoke right over the watch that's on my wrist. So we'll circle back to that when I'm done with the story. But yeah, the idea of having a brand new Everest watch was really intriguing and... I was thinking, okay, I just sold the Stova. As soon as I get some more funds in a few days, that would leave me with a decent amount still in the bank. It would almost be like swapping the Stova out for a brand new Everest. So I did it. I bought one of the Gilt Dial Smith's Everests, and now that I've seen it in person, I actually prefer this to the original one. The gilt dial is so amazing. The black of the dial is much darker than the original and it has a sunburst texture to it that's really subtle. That in combination with the gold highlights just makes it look kind of like a fancier, a dressier, kind of a just a next level Everest. Uh, so if you prefer a very tool version of it, the original is that. It's more minimal. It just comes off as straight-up tool watch. This one does as well, but yet there's kind of a fanciness to it. And another thing that I like about the gilt dial one is the minutes markers seem a bit more subtle on it. Both watches have them, and they're fairly sizable. Uh, minutes markers, but being in the gold, that track kind of fades into the background just a little bit, which I think is great. When I saw them side by side, I realized how much they stood out in the original. I had never noticed that before, but seeing a more subtle version of them, they kind of stood out. They never really bothered me, but. Now that I've seen the two options, I prefer the gilt, the more subdued version, and just having a clasp that you trust makes a world of difference, and I've been wearing the gilt dial Everest far more than I ever wore my other one. Sadly, the gilt version, at least that I have, I don't know if they will ever ship on them like the original, but mine does not have the rivet bracelet which was something that I was originally concerned about. And I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but when I purchased that watch, I wasn't sure what I would think of the rivet bracelet. I thought it might be a bit too much. But when you see that in person, it is pretty subtle, and it kind of grows on you. You don't really even notice the rivets when you're wearing the watch, but when they aren't present, then you realize that you actually kind of liked them. And I think that's the only real negative I have about the gilt dial variant is I kind of wish it had the rivet bracelet, but another thing that I noticed, and it took me a little while, it took me over a week to realize this, but when I hold these two Everests up side by side, I believe the gilt dial version that I have has a more boxy crystal than the original it does a bit more distorting and which is amazing i absolutely love that and yeah seeing them side by side the guilt variant has a better crystal i think because i love those distortions from straight on they look identical but you'll i i notice more of the indices distorting on this new one than on the one that i've owned for a while and i personally prefer that i think that's super fun it took me a little while to get the bracelet adjusted properly i think that when i first unboxed the watch i think my wrist was a bit swollen at the time so I had removed a bunch of links and kind of kept going until it felt snug. But after a while, it was a little bit too snug. You know that feeling where a watch is just a little bit too tight, and your wrist feels like it's kind of being choked a little bit. And also the problem was at the setting that I had it I had to adjust the micro adjustments all the way out as loose as possible so there was no leeway if I wore this watch in warm weather it was going to get even tighter so I put a link back in and moved the micro adjustments as snug as possible but then the watch was too loose it felt okay at first but the next day Uh, During the day when I kind of get cold, it gets kind of cold in this office for some weird reason. Uh, It was just flopping around on my wrist like it was the 1990s. Back way before I was collecting watches, I remember thinking how cool it was when people would wear their watches really low on the wrist. And this watch was riding low like that. So at some point I was just thinking, I'm going to have to take a link back out. And just deal with it, I guess. And it kind of got me thinking as I was holding a link up to the next of the micro-adjustments. When a watch is on a bracelet that uses just standard micro-adjustments, it would be great if those covered at least the full length of uh, one of the bracelet's links. Because then you have options. You could put a link in and still use the micro adjustments to get it to fit exactly like it did before you put the link in. Same with taking links out. So that way you could get it adjusted exactly as you need it. You could put a link in, adjust it how it was before, and then use the micro adjustments to further dial it in with the clasp on this watch the three micro adjustments don't quite cover the full length of a link. So you can't, you you end up kind of in an in-between state where you could take a link out and it's a little bit snug or you could put a link back in and it's a little bit loose and the micro adjustments can't bridge that gap. So if I was a watch designer, that would be one thing I would look for is that my clasp has micro-adjustment that can cover a link's length, and maybe a little bit more, who knows. But I haven't really had any issues after that first day, so it would probably be a problem if I wore this watch on vacation in a hot location, I would probably have to put another link in. So that's something that I will have to keep in mind. However, I still have the San Martin and the Tissell, and I'm pretty sure those might be what I take on certain trips. Like if I return to Palm Springs, I think I'll take the Tissell because it has the tool-less micro-adjustment. And that was the first thing that I noticed on my one and only trip there was all my watches because of the extreme temperature difference it was pretty hot there they didn't fit right even the ones that i have on leather straps and stuff because i use buckles to do the micro adjustment those didn't quite fit right because it was just so warm and i had taken my old everest there And I didn't bring a tool with me, so its bracelet was really snug for that trip. So I think I would probably take one of my other two Explorer homages, because those are kind of my uh, beater variants anyway. The Everest is sort of the dressy baby of the three, so... Okay, so what do I have on my wrist? Well, you've probably guessed, I have the Armida on my wrist. So I have a seven inch wrist and the Armida, oh man, I'm forgetting the reference of this watch. I think it's an A11. Um, when you go to Armita's website, it's armidawatches.com and you click on their catalog or however they word it their collection, catalog or collection. As you're scrolling through there, You'll see one photo where they're highlighting different colored dials, like bright colored dials. That's this watch. So they're mil sub style watches, and you could get them in bright colored dials if you like. That's this watch. And it's absolutely amazing. I was wondering about that case size, especially since dive watches have bezels and whatnot. But... For me, I'm used to vintage watches and this looks like a normal size to me. The hands and markers do look large so the hands look thicker than normal and the dot indices look a little bit larger than I think they do on the other variants, but I feel like that almost makes it more readable. and it generally has quite a bit of wrist presence for an undersized dive watch but then again like i mentioned i'm kind of partial i'm biased i'm used to small watches so this doesn't look like a shock to me at all but i currently have it on a rubber strap just something fairly affordable i found on etsy Uh, but it's pretty cool because in the center of it there's kind of a Uh, texture made by etched in like grid lines and that's on both sides so if you wear it really snug it might get kind of uncomfortable on the wrist but I haven't noticed haven't had any issues with it at all but it really does complement this watch being 36 millimeters it can look a bit thick Um, I think it's 11. It's basically the same exact thickness as my Everest, uh, which I had to double check before I purchased this watch because that was my one concern was how thick is this thing going to look being only 36 millimeters. And once I learned that it was the same height as the Everest, I had zero qualms about purchasing it. But on this rubber strap, it looks just perfect. It doesn't look terribly thick at all. I originally had it on a NATO when I first got it. It shipped on a Jubilee bracelet, and I'm not really a bracelet type of person, so when it first arrived, I took it off the bracelet right away, and all I had at the time for kind of tool watches, as far as 18 millimeter straps go, I had a NATO. So I put it on that. I did it as a single pass NATO to help uh, reduce the height a little bit, and it looked okay, but you could, it kind of looked a little bit tall, but yeah, on this rubber strap, just perfect, but Armida makes really great watches, in my experience, so this watch has a sapphire crystal on it, it has an aluminum bezel insert on there, but that bezel action is absolutely tight, there's no back play, it's just, absolutely phenomenal and like I mentioned it has 300 meters of water resistance screw down crown all the things and it was $400 so most of their pieces I think go for like two to four hundred dollars somewhere around there they may have some that are more expensive but they're fairly entry level I mean for a I feel like for a decent dive watch that's a really good price you see a lot of field watches around that price range but i feel like more quality divers start approaching a thousand where these are below 500 so in my mind i think they're a great price for the value that you get because they are just absolutely solid watches and i'm excited to wear this thing during the summer because summertime hanging out on the beach and stuff that's when dive watches really shine i mean you can tell they were built for that kind of stuff because they just look that much more brilliant when you're out there in the sun wearing one just so cool all right so i have one more tale that i can tell before wrapping up this episode I was watching a Theo and Harris video on YouTube, and I don't even recall what they were talking about. It's their newer videos where uh, I think he used to do editing or camera work, and I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but it's now dually hosted, right? And I don't know what Christian was wearing in this video... I'm guessing that it might be a vin- might have been a vintage Rolex, just kind of knowing him. Whatever it was, it had a light dial on it, kind of silvery from what I could see. They never mentioned what he was wearing, but the watch was definitely vintage size and kind of sporty, dressy, more on the dressy side, and he was wearing it on a blue leather strap. And the whole time I was watching the video, I was just like, that watch is absolutely gorgeous. What in the world is that? And after seeing that video, I was thinking, I need to replicate that aesthetic. That just looked absolutely amazing. So I kept my eyes open on eBay. This time knowing what kind of aesthetic I was after, which is interesting. Usually, I'm just kind of seeing what's out there, just kind of hunting for random prey on eBay. But this time, I was actually after a certain aesthetic, and I ended up stumbling upon a very interesting watch. It was a Seiko, a Seiko Dolce, and it's vintage size it's very thin it's a quartz watch and what's really interesting is there's still a website out there online where you can buy these brand new most sites where they used to have listings for them they're out of stock so these are discontinued watches or limited edition watches or something along those lines but they can actually be purchased brand new I didn't buy mine brand new, uh, but I paid almost retail for it. I went with mine because the difference in price kind of covered tax and shipping and stuff, and yeah, just saving a little bit of money, and it was in like-new condition. I think there's a very small little dot of a scuff on the bezel, and other than that, it's new pretty much, and these are ultra-thin watches. They have applied batten markers. They're very Grand Seiko looking. They are quartz, so they do have the quartz ticking seconds hand on there. Which I think is my only potential issue with this watch. I feel like it would be more elegant if it was a two-hander. And I've actually pondered potentially removing the seconds hand on it. I haven't completely ruled that out. At some point, I might do that, but right now I don't want to risk anything because this watch is pretty amazing. And when I got the watch in person, the thing that kind of shocked me about it is it reminds me an awful lot of my Christopher Ward Malvern 595 that I used to own. It's thin like that. This one might be even thinner because it's quartz. The case has like elegant curves to it, just like the Malvern had. Not quite as amazing as the Malverns because Christopher Ward designed some really brilliant cases. But this is pretty dang close. When you're wearing it, it has the absolutely the same aesthetic to it. And yeah, this watch just looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I started hunting for blue straps for it. And I ended up purchasing a blue ostrich strap and a black lizard strap. That way I would have options. It's an odd width lug, so it's 17 millimeters, which is what my newest Dolce Vita has, which is great because they're both really dressy and I can they can swap each other's straps and they would be perfectly suitable for either of them. And I actually was thinking the Lizard would be great on the Dolce Vita. However, the, when the blue strap arrived, finally, these were coming from Vietnam, so they took a little while. It just didn't look quite right. It has a very blue-blue colored blue on the edge of the strap almost a primary blue which I really didn't care for. It it just looks kind of odd and at the stitching some of that color comes out as well and then in the body of the strap it's so dark it's almost black with just a bit of blue in some of the texture and not quite what I was looking for. I tried that on the Dolce Vita and it looked pretty decent but Yeah, so I put the Lizard strap on the Seiko, and it looks absolutely amazing. However, I have kind of been keeping my eyes open for blue straps, because I still want to see if I could pull off that aesthetic, at least for summertime or something, and I have one coming at some point. It's another Vietnamese strap because those straps are so great. At least the few that I've encountered are just absolutely awesome. And on some of them, you can give them more extreme taper. So I was able to do like a 17 to 14, 18 to 14 if I wanted to, depending on the watch I was envisioning on putting it on. A taper like that might look better. And that's the case with the ones that I've purchased so far. But I bought a a black crocodile strap and a blue one that I'm hoping will look more like I'm after. But we'll see what happens when it arrives. But absolutely amazing looking Seiko watch for a few hundred dollars. But you get sapphire crystal and... All the things, just, oh, that watch is so cool looking. And it's crazy how vintage size it is for a fairly contemporary watch. Um, And I don't think on the listing they called it out as a ladies' watch even, which is usually the case. If you find a watch that's kind of uh, vintage size, it's usually listed as a ladies'. Like my Dolce Vita is... However, I feel like it's the perfect size for a tank watch. I mean, it's great that they have larger ones for people with larger wrists or prefer larger watches, but it doesn't look like a ladies tank watch when I'm wearing it. It just looks like a normal uh, Tank American homage. But yeah, so now you are caught up on a couple of interesting stories that have happened recently. Yeah, this episode's been great, and I will talk to you soon.